Today we're going to talk about what it meant when Jude said, contend for the faith. I saw a great illustration of this at the Columbus Zoo this past weekend, and we hadn't been at the zoo very long when we came across the cheetah's pen. And there were two cheetahs inside the pen that I could see at least. One of them was laying right up by the glass where people could look at it and view it. And the other one was laying about two feet or so behind it. And unexpectedly, they had a visitor slip in to their pen and between them. It was a snake. So this snake had come out of nowhere and it found its way between them. And at first it looked like the cheetahs really didn't notice, but then as soon as the one behind, the one by the glass, happened to notice, it was not happy. It glared down at the snake. The snake looked up at it, and then the cheetah bore its fangs and gave a violent hiss towards the snake. And I don't know what it looks like when snakes are scared per se, but it probably looked something like this. The snake was so horrified that it slithered away as quickly as its little body could manage. Now, the cheetah wasn't wanting to scare away the snake. It enjoyed having the attention of the people. It enjoyed being in the shade in front of its audience so that it could display its beauty by its mere presence. Plans changed when it noticed the snake. The cheetah had to make it clear. This is where cheetahs live. Snakes are not welcome. Now, in the book of Jude, after Jude's opening remarks, it quickly becomes obvious that Jude was frustrated. He introduced his letter by saying, Dear friends, I really wanted to write to you about the salvation we share. So when Jude wrote this letter, he wanted to write about God's love, his mercy, his grace, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ through the cross. Those are the topics that everyone wants to hear about. I've even heard it said that that's all the church should ever talk about. Forget about doctrine. Forget about wrath. Forget about justice. We want to know that everything is going to be okay come life or death. People think that if only, if only good news was preached, people would be drawn near to God through it. As much as I think that God's love is amazing in an incomprehensible way, people need to know the truth. He is a God of love, and he is a God of justice. In fact, the love of God cannot exist separate from his justice. God is just because God is love. I can tell that Jude was really wanting to give his audience a feel-good message. Everyone would love him if he spent his time writing about God's grace. He interrupts himself and says, But now I feel I should write and ask you to stand up for the faith. And right there is where it would be contend for the faith. But stand up for the faith. God's holy people were trusted with it once for all time. 
So again, but now I feel I should write and ask you to stand up for the faith. God's holy people were trusted with it once for all time. So in other words, if I do not alert you now and command you to stand up for the truth, your church might not recover. What does he need to warn them about? He wrote, Certain people have secretly slipped in among you. Long ago it was written that they would be judged. They are ungodly people. They misuse the grace of God as an excuse for sexual sins. They say no to Jesus Christ, our only king. Now there's something to be said about sticking to the plan. So should Jude have stuck to his plan about writing about salvation? Well, it's hard to commit to a difficult task and three see it through till the end despite adversity and I know that Jude really wanted to do that nonetheless in the training that I have received I know that it's not wise to be married to a plan you've got to focus on your overall goal what is it that you really want to achieve and if your plan is not serving that purpose you've got to throw it out you've got to be willing to adapt Jude is displaying this in his letter. His overall goal was to help the church in Rome to know the love of God through Jesus Christ. And naturally, you think the best way to do that would be to preach about Jesus Christ. And indeed, he did preach about Jesus. But he encountered the troubling reality from within the confines of the church. That being that heresies originating from certain influential or infiltrating the church. Whenever I would start a Bible study prior to seminary, there would always be somebody who would hijack the venue in an attempt to transform it into their own platform. This mostly happened at college, and I did not know how to deal with it exactly. One of the people that I recall was a former nun, who walked away from her convent in order to pursue a college education. Now, this person had departed from many of the sound doctrines of the faith, but we invited her to Bible study as kind of extending an olive branch of peace towards her. Well, she proved incapable of allowing discussion among the members of the group. Her agenda was to prove her own progressive intellectual perspective on the scriptures to be true. And the best way to do that was to shut down any meaningful discussion during Bible study and drone on and on and on about her own alternative perspective on the scriptures. In another instance, a young man, and I'll never forget this, he made a dramatic entrance into a Bible study that I was having with a good friend of mine. This young man tried to conceal his Bible by hiding it behind a clipboard and he walked into the room where we had met and then when he got in there, he let down the clipboard to reveal that his Bible was behind it. He wanted to make it clear that he belonged with us and we were accommodating. And at first it was cool. It was fun. But then his agenda started to creep through. He wanted to use these gatherings as a means to gain notoriety, popularity, and to make money. And the message he wanted to capitalize on was that Christianity, Judaism, 
and Islam all worshipped the same God. Now, he was a nice guy and sincere in this belief, but he was sincerely wrong, and we refused to go along with his agenda. Now, in both these cases, there are details that I will not share with you because it is not my goal to absolutely demoralize and demonize these individuals. Plus, it was so long ago that I hope that they have changed. Jude, however, reveals something fascinating about those who had infiltrated the church back then. Now, what I'm reading from right now is the NIRV. So, Jude 4 says they are ungodly people. So, that's what Jude is writing about the people. They are ungodly people. They misuse the grace of God as an excuse for what? Sexual sins. They say no to Jesus Christ, our only Lord and King. Now, other translations word it differently, but it appears they were sexually driven with their motivations. In other words, they desperately wanted to satisfy the longings of their flesh, and they saw God's word as a roadblock in receiving acceptance in their lifestyles. So they justified their sinful lifestyles by saying that God's grace covers over all the wickedness that they continued to do. Jude's command was to contend for the faith. The church and other parts of the world have already stopped doing that. In America, we are being discouraged from contending for the faith. And the irony is that those who contend for the faith are often considered to be the divisive ones. Whenever the goal whenever the goalposts of culture get moved in a way that further undermines biblical precedent, there are church leaders that do indeed stand up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to stand on God's word. Man's opinions and feelings are always changing. God's word remains the same. So this kind of takes us back to the cheetah, who is just hanging out inside of its pen his thought was that it was a cheetah. It thought that it was a cheetah's pen that it was inside of, until it saw the snake. It was forced to say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! This is a cheetah's pen. Snakes don't belong here. We need to be like the cheetah. When unsound doctrine creeps into the church, we need to say, this doesn't belong here.' The counter argument to this." is that, well, the Bible is an ancient book that is not relevant today, that certain parts don't pertain to our culture in postmodern America. Well, contend for the faith means that you fight for the hearts of believers. You don't let people be dragged off by the wolves. And speaking of wolves, did you happen to hear about this story that happened in Trenton, Ohio this past week? A family was preparing to go on vacation, so they got up early in the morning, started packing up their stuff, and then one of them happened to notice a big, furry surprise hiding behind their toilet in the bathroom. They weren't sure what it was at first, but after they had called the authorities to come and help them out because it looked like an animal, the authorities arrived and determined that it was a coyote. And this coyote had actually been in their bathroom for quite some time. And they had probably even made use 
of the bathroom since this coyote had snuck in and hid behind the toilet. Now you don't just let a coyote make its home in your bathroom. Likewise, you don't let the church go along with heresy. You alert them. You warn them. You live a life consistent with what you teach. You display in every fashion that you truly believe everything that you profess to be true. And that's one of the wonderful things about the letter of Jude. It goes pretty far. He cites some pretty far out examples. To me, Jude exemplified the level of faith that Billy Graham claimed when asked whether he believed the story about Jonah and the whale. He was asked, in the story of Jonah, Jonah gets swallowed by a whale. Billy, you know that's impossible. Do you believe that a whale swallowed Jonah? And Jonah's response was, well, if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I would believe it. What's he saying? He's saying the Bible's not going to lie to us. And so he knows he can rely upon the words of Scripture. After all, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. So although we have not seen the resurrection of Jesus, we believe. Our hope is for the same resurrection when our time comes. We must contend for the faith. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. Again, my name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sunday mornings at 1030 for our worship service. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.